Welcome to Behind the Page, the Eli Marks podcast with John Gaspard and Jim Cunningham. Hey, Jim, how's it going? I'm good, John. How are you doing? Not bad, not bad. It's our first episode. It's very exciting. So the one question you asked me was... Uh, what is this? Exactly. What is this? Well, this is the Eli Marks podcast called Behind the Page. The idea is that since we recorded uh, all the books as audiobooks, that I thought it might be fun to do a podcast where over the course of a season, one year, uh, someone can listen to an entire book for free. So this first season, we're going to use uh, our first book, The Ambitious Card, as the uh, guinea pig. And each episode will be uh, the next chapter in The Ambitious Card. So by the end of the year, you can hear the whole thing. But in addition to that, because we're calling it behind the page, each episode will have some background information, either about Eli Marks or about magic or about the process of writing or something in or around that chapter. So it's like kind of like the extra features on a DVD. It's exactly like the extra feature on the DDD. It's uh, it's not an Easter egg. You don't have to look for it. It's right there. Now, some people in listening to the podcast may want, they may want to just skip ahead and listen to the chapter. Uh, if they have uh, controls on their player for that, it's all been indexed or uh, just look in the show notes. It'll say what the time code is for when the chapter starts. If you want to jump ahead, some people may only want to listen to the extras. I don't know. So they'll both be there for them. So the ambitious card begins with a prologue and that prologue takes place in a place we both know, you better than me, the Wabasha Caves. Tell me about the Wabasha Caves. Where are they? The Wabasha Street Caves are in St. Paul. They're just, in, you got to cross the river twice if you are from Minneapolis to get to the Wabasha Street Caves. And they are um, sandstone caves that have had a, a huge variety of things uh, have gone on there. But I think most notably, they were a speakeasy during Prohibition. St. Paul had a reputation among the uh, uh, various uh, speakeasy crowds as a friendly place. You could come here and the police wouldn't um, necessarily hassle you if you were John Dillinger or Al Capone, both of who uh, both of whom spent some time here in St. Paul. There are, I think, four caves in addition to the kind of major cave that's used for swing dancing, and uh, there's a bar in there now and that kind of thing. But there are these sandstone caves off the main cave uh, that are just empty, and uh, there's now I think. Two or three of them have been cleaned out, and, and one is still kind of in the back, is still full of uh, the old remnants of downtown St. Paul. And in one of those caves is a door that is locked. And if you unlock that door, you can go into the rest of the Wabasha Caves, which are not open to anyone. They've been sealed off by the city. They've sealed off virtually any way to get in there. There is right. one uh, grate that you can see. F uh, you have to climb quite a high hill to, to peer through that grate. But there are so many issues with people going in there and uh, hanging out and starting fires and then not being able to breathe because they started a fire and then dying. So uh, the city went through and completely sealed off the Wabashaw Caves. You can get in through that door, but when that door closes, you're going to wander around because there, there are literally miles of, of caverns in there. Now, my first experience in the caves was because of you. Ah. because you were doing a spooky Halloween show in one of those caverns. And I, I remember, one thing I remember about the show was it was dark. When you turn off the lights in a cave, it is, as, uh, as a friend used to say, darker than the inside of a nun. Really dark. What was it like doing that show? 
Uh, I had a blast doing that show, um, but it was based on Eugene Berger, who is a, a pretty famous magician uh, based out of Chicago. And he had written a book called Spirit Theater, which I got a copy of at our uh, local magic store, Eagle Magic, here in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And uh, I was, uh, as Larry, the owner of Eagle Magic, told me when I walked in, hey, a book came in that you have been waiting for your entire life. And uh, I read Spirit Theater, and he was absolutely right. Uh, and so I reached out to Eugene Berger, and this was long before this would have been 85 or 6, I think. So long before the Internet or being able to just send an email or find somebody on Facebook, I called 411 in Chicago and said, I'm looking for the number for a, of a magician named Eugene Berger. She gave it to me. I called him just out of the blue and said, I read your book and I'm very interested in, in doing the show. Uh, have you sold the rights to anybody? Is there somebody I should talk to? And he said, uh, if I remember correctly, he said, uh, oh, that's interesting. Who are you? And I said, I'm, you know, I'm an actor in St. Paul, Minneapolis, and uh, I read your book and I'm interested in doing it. He said, oh, um, I don't know if I want anybody to do my show. I said, okay, um, well, wh how, how could I, you know, what, what should I? And he said, you know what? I'm just walking out the door. Can you call me in a week? I said, okay. So I called him in a week and he answered and he, oh yeah, right. Yeah. I was going to well, think about, listen, I'm just going to a dental appointment. Could you call me in a week? And I said, yeah, I can. So I waited another week and called him and uh, talked to him at length at that point. And he said, okay, all right, all right. The only reason I'm talking to you is because you're not a magician. And I said, well, he said, no, if you were a magician, you simply would have done the show and you never would have called me at all. You just would have taken what you wanted and gone ahead and done it. Uh, but because you called and asked for the rights and wondered about, you know, how we could work together on this, I'm interested in working with you. Um, so here's what I want. You'll come to Chicago and I'll teach you what you need to know to do the front half of the show. And the back half of the show, you'll fly me to Minneapolis and I'll work with your crew on the darkroom sequence of the show. And while I'm there, I want you to set up a lecture for me. And I said, okay, and then let's talk about royalties. He said, no, 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 that's it. You're gonna be creating this show essentially from scratch with my kind of help and advice, but in terms of scripting it, you're going to have to do all of that. So there's not going to be any royalties. This will be your version of my show with my help. And it worked very, very well. So what's it like working when the, when the cave was dark, 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 what was it like working in that situation? Yeah. The, you know, the back half of the show is a dark seance. You turn off all the lights. It's very, very dark. And we all, the, the people that were ghosts in that show, myself included, because I did some work in the back half of the show as a ghost, because that made the most sense. There were tiny, and I mean, you know, the size of your little fingernail, half of your little fingernail uh, of glow tape on the bottom legs of chairs. And so in order to prepare for that darkroom sequence, you had to count your steps so I knew I'm eight steps from where I want to be. And I'd walk those eight steps. And then I would look for that very small piece of glow tape to orient myself. So I knew where I was. And not only am I doing that, but there are five other people in the room who have their own little glow tape mark to get to their spot. And we had very elaborate ghost effects 
uh, that happened in the dark. And it was all choreographed in terms of those little teeny pieces of glow tape and all of us then functioning off what the other person was doing to know when it was my turn to do something. I would take it off of something that was happening in the room. And it was, uh, it, it took a long time to get that darkroom sequence to a place where we were all happy with it and Eugene was happy with it. So it, uh, working in the dark was exciting, but it was super time consuming in order to get it all right. And you can't obviously see, so you don't, you don't know. And even, even way into the run of the show, you could still get turned around and think you were in one place. And suddenly there would be another one of your ghosts next to you who would go, what are you, what are you doing? You're not, you're, you're, you're not, you don't belong here. And you'd have to kind of then go all the way back. That was the only way to do it is go all the way back to where you start and count your eight steps again and look for your spot. So it was a, it was a fun, and I still get people who, will come up to me. I mean, I haven't done hauntings as I did it in the caves in, oh gosh, 20 some years, 25 years. And I still get people who will come up to me and say, I saw that show you did in the caves. Will you ever do that again? Because gosh, I had such a fun time. It was so scary and spooky. And uh, so some, at some point, maybe I will uh, do that. The, The caves are for sale. And uh, myself and a couple of guys looked at him as a possible um, uh, theater slash bar slash restaurant. I don't think we're actually going to pull the trigger on it, but we toured them several times as a possible location. And if we bought them, then I would have absolutely gone back to doing hauntings or something like it. Or if you're looking for a better investment than a restaurant, I'd say a theater is probably it. Yes, exactly. Well, you know how you make a small fortune in theater. How? Start with a large fortune. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, thank you for that background of the caves. I experienced that show. It was uh, a very, very scary. And when it came time to write the prologue to uh, Ambitious Card, I just put myself back into that dark, dark cave. And uh, let's just roll into the prologue and see uh, what Eli's up against. This is the prologue for the Ambitious Card. The Ambitious Card. An Eli Marks Mystery Prologue Ask anyone and they'll tell you I'm generally a positive person. But even I had to admit this was a bad situation. After the heavy wooden door closed behind us with an unforgiving finality, I'd come to a sudden insight. When it comes to being in the dark, there's dark dark, and then there's inside a cave dark. We were definitely in the latter. I'd never been in a place so dark, where the blackness of the space jostled up against us like an aggressive, surly crowd on a subway during rush hour. My head was spinning from the lack of oxygen, and even though I couldn't see my hand in front of my face, I was starting to see spots in front of my eyes. My lungs ached with each breath I took. The carbon monoxide that filled the cave a poor substitute for the oxygen I'd foolishly taken for granted until this relatively late point in life. We shuffled and slogged through the inky darkness. My foot slipped on a loose rock, hurtling me forward, 
or a stalagmite, or is it a stalactite, connected with my forehead, breaking my fall. My head was now covered with small scrapes and contusions, and in the darkness, I couldn't tell whether it was blood or sweat running down my face. I imagine it was a pretty even mixture of both. Oh, and did I mention the bats? Well, I don't know how I could have forgotten them. The flurry of winged pests had been just as surprised to encounter us as we had been to encounter them, leaving us the warm and sticky recipients of a rich shower of bat guano. It covered our hair and shoulders, a warm stream that slithered down my spine, making me wish I could actually remove my skin and send it out for a cleaning. And as luck would have it, moments after the first battalion departed to points unknown, we were hit with yet a second wave of bat pee, the furry winged bastards slicing across the tops of our heads while their piercing screeches whizzed past our ears. Even though I had more pressing concerns at the moment, I once again rebuked myself for getting us into this situation. It could have been avoided. I really think it could have. Things would have turned out quite differently, I'm convinced, if I'd closed my act with something other than the ambitious card. Had it been the cups and balls, or the linking rings, or a cut-and-restored rope, or any of a hundred other tricks, I might be sitting home in front of the television right now, happily munching popcorn, instead of asphyxiating in a cave while marinating in bat pee. But as they say, hindsight is twenty-twenty. a lesson I appear to be learning and relearning every day, even in the deadly pitch blackness of this stupid cave. And there you have it. Eli Marks and his adventures in The Ambitious Card are off and running. Jeez, I can't wait to find out what happens next. Then you're going to have to come back to the next episode. I think I will. I, no, I'm pretty sure I will. You're actually contracted to come oh, back. For sure I will. You know what you want to do so you, you don't miss an episode? Yeah. Hit that subscribe button. That's what I would do. I'm doing that now. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, John. This has been Behind the Page, the Eli Marks podcast with your hosts, John Gaspard and Jim Cunningham. Produced by Albert's Bridge Books at Grass Lake Studios. Thanks for listening. <laughs>